brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I'm your ever so humble host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from Roane County, Tennessee. Historic, scenic, a little soggy at the moment, but a beautiful place overall, and I love it. I call it home. Thank you so much for being here. Quick shout outs to both Chief, host of Simple Facts of Life, and Bigfoot, blogger extraordinaire, who are the first two into the chat room today. Thank you guys for being here. As always, I greatly appreciate it. For those of you who are listening via radio rebroadcast, whether that be at KYAH 540 AM, Utah Stock Authority, or WCET 101.7 FM Columbia Talk in Columbia, South Carolina. I want to thank you guys for listening and tuning in as well. Thanks for joining. Everybody else, wherever you may be listening, whatever archived version, wherever you listen to podcasts, whatever it is, thank you so much. I appreciate that as well. Please hang on and listen to the very end. Or, you know, don't. It's America. You've got your free will, at least for now. All right. Now, just some uh, breaking news. For those of you who are listening in these other modes, just for your benefit, uh, the time of the live broadcast is October 30th, 2019. It is the day before Halloween. It's just a few brief moments after 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, roughly about 20 minutes or so ago. It has been announced that President Donald Trump's top advisor for Russia and European affairs is leaving his job at the White House this a day before he's scheduled to testify before the House impeachment investigators, at least according to a senior administration official who uh, made the announcement just a little while ago. Now, we're talking about Tim Morrison. Uh, Tim Morrison owes his job at the National Security Council to Donald J. Trump. But his testimony, which is scheduled for October the 31st, it is Halloween, uh, in the House impeachment inquiry, might be central to a push to remove the president from office. So we'll see how this is playing out. I still haven't heard anything really changes anything as of yet. And we'll kind of circle back around to that. But a senior administration official said that Morrison, quote, has decided to pursue other opportunities. The official, who was not authorized to discuss Morrison's job and spoke only on the condition of anonymity, said Morrison has been considering leaving the administration for some time. So I guess the real question is, how long is some time? And is this coincidental? Does Morrison have something to say about his friend, the current uh, provocateur, the current man about town, the current president of the United States, you know, the orange man of orange man bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the man who is single-handedly responsible for the creation of Trump derangement syndrome, the man who is single-handedly responsible for the Russian collusion delusion that still is running wild through the swamp. As could this be the man? Uh, see, Bringing It Boy has joined us in Crazy Cajun uh, in the chat room. Uh, welcome aboard, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. At this point, I, I am curious to see what he has to say. And if 
Maybe it's just because some of what he will have to say Donald Trump might take as as a stab in the back. I, I love Donald Trump overall. Don't get me wrong. He has earned my respect. I was not happy about Donald Trump up front. I was not happy that he won the nomination. I didn't think he was a very good candidate, but he's won me over. He's done a phenomenal job since he took office. I was willing to give him every opportunity. He took it. He ran with it. He's done a great job, generally speaking. But Donald Trump is still Donald Trump, and one of his foibles is he is incredibly thin-skinned when he perceives that you have attacked him. So he likes to attack back. So is it possible that this guy is getting why the getting's good? Thinking that at least some portion of what he's going to testify about, Donald may not be that happy with, and so this keeps him from getting fired, maybe? Not necessarily that there's anything any different than any other testimony that we've already received. Just a whole lot of the same, which is, okay, here's your, uh, here's your ink blot test. Here's what Donald Trump actually said. Now, if you want to see an illicit quid pro quo, you're going to see it. You're, you're going to see it around the edges. They're right there, right there. You see that. If you don't want to see it, then you're going to say, clearly, there's nothing even close to a quid pro quo of any kind, illicit or otherwise. When the truth of the matter is, eh, not all. Oh, thank you, Crazy Cajun. Since first time listening live, been uh, playing Tap into the Truth on WCE. TFM since uh, since the first of October when uh, when went uh, to the afternoon time slot over the airwaves in beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, and I do love you guys in South Carolina, by the way. So thank you so much. Now where was I at? <laughs> okay, so we're we're looking at this. I, I it's still the ink blot, and in truth, what is actually present isn't impeachable. Now, you may not like it. You may think that there was more to it, but there has to be a standard. There has to be a legal standard applied, and so far, Donald Trump has not crossed that line. You want to see it? You see it. You don't want to see it? Ignore it then. It's okay. Personally, I think if you look at it through just, you know, unbiased viewpoint. Maybe you don't necessarily like the tone. Maybe you don't necessarily like Donald Trump saying, I need you to do me a favor, which probably is not the most articulate way to put in a request or if you'd like to receive military aid, we need you to clean up your corruption, even if that's due to here in the United States. You know, a, a much more articulate much more refined way of saying it would have been nice, but that's not who Donald Trump is. That's part of why the left hates him so much. But with all that, we will be uh, <laughs> red flag laws here in California for Tim Shaw to be on the airways. <laughs> so back in the chat room, is doing bringing it. In the meanwhile, uh, we'll see what happens. This testimony's upcoming. We'll see why he's resigned today. I don't 
suspects that uh, it's going to be much different than before, but there may be one or two things where he says, uh, yes, I was a little concerned about this. And we know that that might, well, that might kind of tee off the orange man. So we'll see. We'll see. Meanwhile, back to the items that I had planned on talking about uh, before this breaking news uh, interrupted. Of course, by the time a lot of you guys will hear this, it's not breaking news anymore. In fact, by the time some of you hear this, he will have already testified, and a lot of you will even already know. But, you know, again, time of the live broadcast is just a little bit after 7 p.m. Eastern time on October 30th. Okay. So by now, by now there is no doubt, there is no question that you know about the squad. We all know the illustrious leadership in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We knew not long afterwards, powerhouse politicians like Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib joined. And then, in order to call themselves a squad instead of just a trio of terror, which would be a great name for them, by the way, especially it being almost Halloween. Uh, in order to be a squad, they needed a fourth. So they went out and they found Miss Presley, who was more than happy to join them. Well, for the longest time, AOC managed to dominate the headlines as far as, you know, most ridiculous things said by the squad. Ilhan Omar, however, has been working really, really hard to, uh, you know, pick up the slack. Yeah, you, you look at about team and then the team will have a scoring leader but the best teams the most successful teams have some players that can go out there and pick up that uh, that slack on scoring when the other team starts double and triple teaming the real scoring threat you need somebody to keep the defenses honest right so Ilhan Omar is trying really hard to be that person because obviously Rashid Tlaib is strictly defense. She's all about impeaching the, well, you know. But Omar, oh, Omar, she is one in a million. So here we go. This past Monday, in case you hadn't heard, during a House vote recognizing officially for the record here in the United States the Armenian genocide, recognizing the genocide at the hands of the Ottoman Empire by the group known as the Young Turks during World War I. During this vote, Ohan Omar says, present, she wasn't the only one, but she votes present. Now, lawmakers overwhelmingly passed the resolution. And the name of the resolution? Affirming the United States record on the Armenian genocide, which, like I already said, officially recognized and condemned the genocide, which resulted in the Young Turks murdering, you know, a mere 1.5 million Armenians uh, from 1915 until about 1923. You know, legitimately a genocide. Most of the world freely acknowledges it, but there's a certain group of people that still like to ignore that it happened, like to pretend that it did. I mean, there are more people that actually deny the Armenian genocide 
then have been on the record of denying the Holocaust. And again, for those of you who pay attention to these things, there's been a truckload of folks deny the Holocaust. So we're talking about a lot of people here. Who was one of only three speakers to vote present? released a statement on why she did not vote for the resolution. And this is probably one of those cases where you know the old saying where it's better to have people for, – for you to stay silent and have people think you a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Oh, these ladies are that, so there's no point in holding The statement, not a good luck. Quote, I also believe accountability for human rights violations, especially ethnic cleansing and genocide, is paramount. But accountability and recognition of genocide should not be used. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As a cudgel in a political fight. It should be done based on academic consensus outside the push and pull of geopolitics. A true acknowledgement of historical crimes against humanity must include both the heinous genocides of the 20th century, along with earlier mass slaughters like the transatlantic slave trade and Native American genocide, which took the lives of hundreds of millions of indigenous people in this country. For this reason, I voted present on final passage of House Resolution 296, the resolution affirming the United States record on the Armenian genocide. So just to make this clear, Ilhan Omar is claiming that her reason for not voting yes or no on passing resolution, simple acknowledgement that yes, there was an genocide, yes, it was an empire responsible for it, yes, it was the young Turks who did it, yes, it was a bad thing. That's all this resolution did. She could not vote yes or no on this resolution simply because the resolution didn't go far enough. She couldn't say yes on this resolution and then say, oh, by the way, I'm also entering into the record to push this through committee to try to get voted on this resolution acknowledging the genocide against the indigenous people of the Americas or this resolution denying the stalwartship of the slave trade, the transatlantic slaves. No, no, couldn't do that. Couldn't do that. She didn't want to go down as voting against it because that would still be a lot harder to explain given that there actually is a bit of an Armenian contingent in her home district, a bit larger in the districts next to hers. But she was unwilling to go on the record saying, yes, I acknowledge 
that this happened and it was bad and the uh, the young Turks should not have done this. So the House also, just FYI, passed overwhelmingly the Protect Against Conflict by Turkey Act. Don't you just love their names? Now, this particular action uh, put sanctions in place against Turkey for its actions in northern Syria. Omar was the only Democrat to vote against that. Omar, who, as you well know, loves to portray herself as a, a champion of human rights. She has repeatedly condemned using sanctions against the likes of Iran, Turkey, Venezuela, and, and it's always because she says that sanctions like that hurt innocent people. We can't hurt the innocent people of Venezuela who are already suffering enough at the hands of the very much not socialist Maduro. We can't use sanctions against Iran. The mullahs just want the people of Iran to get into heaven in accordance with Allah's dictates. How dare you suggest that Erdogan is doing anything wrong in Turkey? Yet, and again, just for uh, the purposes of just for the purposes of having that comparison out there, Ilhan Omar has repeatedly called on using sanctions against Israel. Omar is uh, it's more than fair to describe her as an avid supporter of the extremely anti-Semitic boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement which, as those of you who take the time to pay attention, are more than well aware that it's strictly designed to destroy the state of Israel. Omar's refusal to recognize the Armenian genocide, well, it earned the predictable outrage from the political left. It earned the predictable uh, talking points from people like myself. But surprisingly enough, and I'm going to have to give some hat tips out here, it actually drew criticism from folks on the left, some of them even pretty far left, including some of her bigger supporters. Uh, Emma Vengland, I believe is uh, her last name, happens to work for the Young Turks, uh, the YouTube channel, and it's actually a, a whole media company now. Uh, if you guys are familiar with the most YouTube channel, though, uh, a group that probably should be looking to change their name, quite honestly. But uh, yeah, that's completely off script here. Uh, Emma, she said that Omar's explanation was, quote, a bad answer. Have to agree with Emma. Uh, there were other people's, uh, people that described themselves as vocal defenders of Omar's came out saying that the refusal to recognize the Armenian genocide was the final straw for them. We've, we've got different things. Of course, everybody talked a couple of days ago about the NBA basketball player, Enos Cantor, who literally wrote on Twitter, what an absolute disappointment and shame. The only Democrat who did not support the Turkish bill 
aiming to stop the killing of innocent people is Ilhan Omar, who seems like she's on Erdogan's payroll working for his interest, but not for the American people and democracy. All right. So first, I would have a word with Cantor about where democracy comes from. Uh, we're not a democracy. She took heat from uh, other politicians within Minnesota as well, people who are Democrats, strongly on board with them. But this ultimately has a lot to do with the fact that a while back, I've been talking about this meeting that Ilhan Omar, before she became part of the U.S. House, when she was still part of the Minnesota House contingent, she had a meeting with Erdogan. And the whole time she was meeting with Erdogan, the whole point was she was lobbying to continue to get Turkey's help, not for anybody in the United States, not to improve relations with the state of Minnesota, uh, but to try to get better relations between Turkey and Somalia, the place that she's a refugee from, the place that she literally had to escape from, the place that she escaped and then was welcomed with open arms here in the United States because of how bad things were in Somalia at the time. She was still working for Somali's interest on the Minnesota taxpayer dime. She has this meeting. She has respect for this dictator in Turkey who has done little to earn the title of ally of the United States, it's, um, it's kind of scary. She seems much closer to him than any American politician. Now, uh, investigative reporter Jordan uh, Satchel referenced one of his reports from earlier this year that highlighted that private meeting uh, that Omar held with President Erdogan, writing, quote, Ilhan Omar's failure to vote for the Armenian Genocide Recognition Resolution has everything to do with her respect for Erdogan and his regime's close ties with her native Somalia. At the end of the day, it's hard to argue that there's anything wrong with that assessment. We have seen time and time again from every member of the squad a willingness to put America's best interest to the side. We have seen time and time again a willingness for her to say, America sucks. Somalia is wonderful. In fact, Somalia would have never had to leave Somalia if it wasn't because of America. So here in America, I'm going to use these fools to save my home country. I mean, it, the sad thing here, I'm only exaggerating a little, just a little. So Ilhan Omar refuses, refuses to want to put sanctions against any enemy of this nation, but she's more than happy to put sanctions against Israel. She refuses to acknowledge that there is, in fact, an Armenian genocide. She refuses to acknowledge the fact that it is not really her role to set foreign policy and that the oversight responsibilities that Congress has on foreign policy are limited. 
They do have some, but they're limited. It's generally the purview of the branch. Again, I would love to sit down with, you know, not just the squad, not just the Democrats, but there's a lot of Republicans that need this too. Set them down with a tutor and have them go through and read the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And it probably wouldn't hurt to throw in the Federalist and some of the Anti-Federalist papers too, just for reference points, just so that they understand that an overwhelming majority of their arguments against the Constitution are flawed, and that the Constitution is not such. Vorpal Bite, who's joined us in the chat room. Hey, Vorp, I see Mary has joined us as well. Hey, Mary, glad to have you here. Thank you so much. Got this phenomenal thing. Vorpal Bite asks, who does Omar represent? Her district or Somalia? <laughs> Night before Halloween. Well, again, we've talked about this right here before, Vorp. Obviously, she has a vested interest in Somalia. All right, so... Uh, you know what? Time for the Edwards Notebook and Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. And right after that, we will come right back and we will continue with yet something that uh, actually does outrage Ilhan Omar. So you guys stay with me. I'll uh, be right back in a few. And yet another reason to ignore rich, leftist-leaning NBA sports personalities. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, I am thoroughly convinced that Democrats, whether rich, poor, dumb, or intelligent, hate the United States of America. Whether it's LeBron James, Golden State Warrior coach Steve Kerr, or San Antonio Spurs head coach Greg Popovich, I find it ironic how Popovich and other rich NBA leftists hate President Donald Trump for having the unmitigated gall to battle against illegal border crossers pouring into our republic and overwhelming our system, and to add insult to injury, building a good wall on our southern border. Yet, at the same time, neither Islamic slavery or black Africans and Christians in northern Africa or the brutal Chinese crackdown on young Hong Kong residents who don't want to live under the boot heel of communist brutality doesn't seem to bother the hypocritical NBA stars who have a bigger problem with America protecting her southern border than communist Chinese and Islamic brutality. Mm-hmm. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.talkspot.com for news updates and other great stuff. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Dan Perkins here with your songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day. Did you get a flu shot last year? If you answered no, you don't have an excuse this year. You can get a shot at your closest VA center on your next visit for free. But what if you don't have a visit planned in the near future? Don't have a visit planned? Here's an alternative. Here's your veterans tip of the day. The Veterans Administration and Walgreens have teamed up to make flu shots more accessible and free to veterans. They have made it very easy for you to get this protection. Protecting yourself is a good idea. Getting a flu shot at the VA or consider going to a local Walgreens, both are free. Just go to your local Walgreens, no appointment necessary, show your ID card, and get your flu shot for free. Protecting yourself, get a flu shot. Last year, over 80,000 people in America died from the flu. The life you save 
just might be your own. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. I'm Dan Perkins. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am back. Thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Very, very tiny. It's a little break. It's not long. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for being here. As always, I appreciate everybody. Uh, Update uh, currently. I'm still waiting to hear back from Ron. Um, Not sure uh, when he's actually due back in the States, but I know he is due to be back before Friday because he will be back in the chair hosting the Ron Edwards experience this Friday. Per usual. Of course, I did fill in for the last two weeks. Uh, had a crazy issue getting connected on the, the first day. So we actually, uh, the engineer had to play the uh, first segment from a previous broadcast. So I really only filled in for a run for like one and three quarters of a show. It's kind of weird. Uh, and it, of course, Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of course, admit the, the timing was off crazy for that first broadcast. Now, the second one uh, happened to fall while I was very, very ill. However, I had gotten back home uh, from the hospital by by Friday afternoon. I still wasn't ready to broadcast myself, but I did fill in for Ron because at that point, I didn't have too many options. And strangely enough, it went much smoother, so it was good. Uh, Sadly, uh, that's part of why I wasn't able to get back on track by Sunday, but I'm back now. And I am so very happy to be back, so thank you very much. Uh, I did see where... uh, uh, going back into the uh, chat room just a bit, I see we're bringing it. Boy was asking about who had resigned that I was talking about at the top of the show. And uh, just so you know, uh, since you did miss that, we're talking about Tim Morrison, who happens to be Donald Trump's top advisor for Russia and European affairs with the National Security Council. So that is who has resigned as of today. Uh, like I said, at that time, it would have been broke about 20 minutes, which puts it at about an hour now. So uh, there you have it. Uh, I guess you heard it here first. Anyway, as we were discussing before the break, Ilhan Omar obviously has no problem with the Armenian genocide. You know, as long as it's her good friend, uh, the Turks, who uh, committed this act of genocide, you know, what's the point? I don't have to be upset by this. I don't have to be concerned. I don't have to express any kind of moral outrage. But I'm a Democrat. I am a leftist. 
which means there does have to be moral outrage about something, usually uh, successful people. You know, the whole notion of a free market economy and you being able to actually make your way in the world, that's something. You know, the, the whole notion of capitalism, that's something to be outraged. And Ilhan Omar is indeed morally outraged that well, that Walmart CEO just so happens to make a whole lot more money than the cashiers that work at Walmart. Yeah, uh, evidently, Ilhan Omar, like a lot of other leftists have been out doing for a while, trying to shop around the idea that for some reason, if you have a low-level menial task job for a major company, that you should be bringing in just as many dollars as the CEO. You should be bringing in just as many dollars as the president of a company. You should be making the same salary as the person sitting at the top. Despite the fact that you literally have taken no risk whatsoever. Now, in the structure, it's not exactly, but when you start looking at businesses that aren't uh, major corporations, but say some of the small businesses, she gets upset about that too. All leftists do. But I promise you that cashier would certainly not want to make the same amount of money if they were working for a small company. I have told uh, you folks the story multiple times that I happen to work for a food manufacturing company. And oh, by the way, to go along with uh, me feeling a little bit better, I go back to work at the day job this week, and guess what happened? I didn't mention it Tuesday night because I was still hoping maybe it was a fever dream. But we've been having our F inspection. And the FDA inspection, we also got tagged for full environmental screenings. Now, it's not that big of a deal, but these FDA inspections are no longer a case where they come in, they check for uh, best manufacturing practices, they make sure you're following the rules, and they get in and get out of your way. And, well, quite honestly, some of these inspections in the past rarely took much more than two hours to do. No, no, no. Now it takes about two, two and a half days for just a standard uh, visit. And when they throw in the environmental testing, which is done completely randomized, at least this is how it was explained to us, completely randomized, uh, the computer will just uh, go down a little list and say, tick, 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 boom, uh, do this one. Well, you have to tack on an extra two days for that. So literally, because tomorrow's Halloween and we typically uh, – we have a lot of employees that have small children, so we typically try to close early on Halloween, one of those little perks of still working for a relatively small business, uh, they will actually, instead of being there uh, and being done tomorrow, they're going to just come in for part of the day tomorrow, and they'll leave early too, and they'll come back. And so we'll have a whole day with the FDA. Now, I'm not complaining about the folks that have come in and done it. I, I don't want anybody to get me wrong here. And I'm certainly not complaining that the FDA is actually stepping up and being more involved with trying to make sure that food safety is a priority because for every company like the one I work for that takes it extremely seriously, there are a ton of others that will, in fact, in the interest of what's likely or in some cases of what's best for the bottom line, will take shortcuts, and sometimes those shortcuts will get people hurt. 
So it's good that the FDA is stepping up in food manufacturing facilities, but the hard part is that all these things to be in compliance, and with FISMA uh, certainly uh, coming into full effect this year for a majority of companies regardless of size, it is extremely difficult for companies to remain profitable if you're not already at a certain dollar level. So some of these larger corporations, they're in great shape. But with FISMA uh, going into full effect, there's so many T's to cross and I's to dot and X's to just put over my eyes because i got such a bad headache. I want to lay down going blind from the paperwork. I suddenly feel like I should be in a law office or something. But again, I'm not complaining. I, I'm not complaining about that. It's just all of a sudden we just got done with our third-party audit literally a week in between, and the third-party audit – was one of the hardest that we've ever had, again, because the food safety standards have been raised so much just in this past year for a company on our side. So my, I say all of that to say that in order to stay compliant, it's getting more and more expensive, and, and rightfully so. We don't want people to be sick, and we've been trying really hard for a long time. I, I can promise you that. Before I became, took the position I had now, I was the production manager there, and as the production manager there, I was concerned about manufacturing – uh, the product in a safe fashion. Nobody, nobody with any kind of conscience wants somebody to get sick because of something you did. You know, and that's where you're at when you're in food manufacturing. So we've got all this going on, but it's just one extra thing on top of it. And all this comes back around to the fact that as a smaller company, this means that this is money that's coming out of the pockets of the guy on top. It means he's that much further away from profitability, and we see this at every level. So when you see somebody like the CEO of a Walmart, you're seeing somebody who has probably done something to improve their chances of being successful when they were younger. Someone who took personal responsibility and made good choices probably involving college degrees and networking, and you can – you can argue the merits of these individual things, but the, the tipping point continues to be they made good choices, and they ended up reaping rewards from it. But Ilhan Omar, who knows a thing or two about moral outrages, mostly because she's committed several herself, she proclaimed her moral outrage about the fact that Walmart CEO – earns a considerably larger income than those of Walmart cashiers. I think she's clearly not been in Walmart lately. I'd be grateful that there's any Walmart cashiers left because the last few times I've been into a Walmart, which you know I, like most Americans, spend more time in a Walmart than I should, I've seen way more self-checkout and very few cashiers manning a station. Of course, this is the trend across the board. I see it at the grocery stores. I see it at the other big box stores, and this is the wave of the future because that's that's something that if they can uh, if they can keep from having to pay for that employee, well, again, remember they are competing with Amazon now. Amazon is literally doing to Walmart what Walmart did to the mom and pops little taste of their own medicine kind of deal. But again, rather than being upset that Walmart still has cashiers, even though they're getting paid considerably less than the CEO, maybe she just should still be happy that those folks have jobs. 
Of course, she was reacting to a CNBC report on called income inequality. And of course, the report it would take the average employee at a corporation a hundred years to make what his CEO makes every year. To drive the point home, Omar selected the example of Walmart, claiming that the average pay for the Walmart worker is about $22,000 annually, while Walmart CEO Doug McMillan takes home almost $23 million. There's a lot of problems here, so let's go through this a, a little at a time, shall we? First of all, it would only take an employee 100 years to earn his CEO salary if the employee remained in the same position, earning the same pay for a century. I'll try to be delicate when I say this, but if you haven't gotten a raise in 100 years, it's probably because you really suck at your job. Though I am impressed that you're still working at such an advanced age, to be honest. Now, my point, of course, is not merely to be sarcastic, which I'm particularly good at, and it, I think it tends to show. But it's important to stipulate the fact, because a person making twenty grand a year doesn't have to remain at that level forever. And if he or she has any skill at all and any ambition to speak of, then they probably won't continue to make 20 grand a year. Which brings us to Omar's point about Doug McMillan. See, the congresswoman would not possibly have chosen a better example to illustrate her own cluelessness. McMillan's trajectory proves that uh, griping about income inequality at a place like Walmart is kind of silly. It just so happens that he began his career in a Walmart distribution center unloading trucks. After he obtained his bachelor's degree, he started training to become a buyer for the company. Now, did you hear how important that part is? Did you hear what I said? Because it is that important. How many other ways can I say that and that makes sense? He started working in the distribution center unloading trucks. While he was working there unloading trucks, he was working on his bachelor's degree. He earned a college degree while working for Walmart unloading trucks. Pretty sure he wasn't making a million, let alone $23 million a year at that point. After he got his bachelor's degree, he started training to become a buyer for the company. Before taking the training program, he worked for some time as an assistant manager at an Oklahoma location. Then he became a buyer. Then he worked in merchandising. Then he club. Then he Walmart International. Then then, only after 30 years of just overnight being a CEO, the overnight success of 30 years of hard work, only then was he named CEO of Walmart. Why does he make exponentially more than a cashier who just started six months ago and hopes 
to have a new job somewhere else come summertime? Is that really even a question that needs to be answered? I mean, seriously, does, does just posing the question, is that not enough to let it sink in how wrong not only Ilhan Omar is, but everybody on the left that tries to use the old CEO pay as a reason to whine about income inequality? I mean, I've told you before, in my previous life, when I was working as a manager for a quick service restaurant chain, nobody who came in and did a good job stayed at minimum wage. Nobody who came in with reasonable experience started at minimum wage. The only people who typically get minimum wage are people who either A, have zero experience, this is their opening salvo into the workplace, where they're gaining valuable experience, or at least that's what should be happening, or they're somebody that has showed absolutely no drive and no effort to improve their circumstance. They're not willing to take responsibility. They're doing barely enough to keep from getting fired and still think they should be getting raises left and right. Raises are not given, my friends. They are earned. If you're not earning your raises, you're not going to get them, at least not normally. Now, if you work in a union shop, then maybe you got a chance at getting these raises all the time without having to put in any extra effort because of collective bargaining. Yay for With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You, but does that push you for excellence? Does that demonstrate that you are something special? Or does it encourage you to say, huh, well, I don't have to work that hard to continue to get these benefits. Why should I? Now, if you're that rare exception, then hey, good, uh, good on you. But if you're that rare exception who could be doing so much better than what the collective bargaining is getting for you, then that too can be something that's holding you back. <sighs> In my mind, much, much better question than the previous one I asked you would be how many Walmart employees have been working there for at least, I don't know, let's say three years. How many Walmart employees have been working there at least three years and have been reliable and competent the whole time, have done things like inquire into management training courses, who plan to make Walmart a career and yet still only make 22000 a year? Now, I'm not going to say that nobody falls into that category. I'm certainly not. I 
I don't have the kind of numbers in front of me to be able to make that assertion because maybe there is someone who has been very ambitious. Now, maybe they weren't as confident as they think they are. Maybe they weren't as reliable as they – because I can tell you as somebody, again, who's managed people, there are people that can miss fairly consistently a lot more time than they realize they're missing. Uh, there's people who might miss once every couple of weeks, but because it's spread out so far, they think, well, I've only missed uh, a day or two uh, the last six months. Like, no, no, sir. <laughs> you missed six days in the last three months but because it's so spread out. Eh, you know, sometimes these people think they're far more reliable than they actually are. Now, if that's not you, if you have, in fact, been competent, if you've been reliable, if you've stepped up when opportunities to step up have been given and have made it clear that you want to move up, how many of you honestly fall into this category? Like I said, I, I'm not going to say that nobody does, but I, I seriously doubt that very many people do. In fact, I… I think most of the lower-paid employees don't stick around very long. They don't want to be a career Walmart employee. They're not interested in taking additional training and just basically do the bare minimum and go home. That's certainly uh, certainly how a lot of people I've seen over the years conduct themselves. In fact, I have to kind of admit that there were times when I had a job that I wasn't particularly thrilled with and basically was just trying to earn a check until I could get something I did like better. I probably did some of that myself, if I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to always try to be honest with you guys. Now, the real go-getters, though, at least from what I've seen, uh, there's the real go-getters are somewhat rare. And uh, funny enough, they always seem to leapfrog everybody else and end up in better paid positions because they're going after it. They want it, and they demonstrate they want it by improving their circumstances, by making good decisions, by assuming personal responsibility. Like how I keep sneaking that in there, Chief? Now, the point is that the income inequality in Walmart eh, can largely be explained by the fact that employees are doing different things and have different skill sets and different goals and different levels of commitment and different levels of competence. All of these things should be considered when you talk about income inequality, uh, but they don't. And these are things that probably should also be considered quite often when we talk about the myth of the wage pay gap because these things come into effect there too. <sighs> Income inequality in a case like this is a logical result. It's not an outrage. It's what you should expect to happen. And if you were ever responsible for meeting a payroll, you would be uh, say uh, you'd be preaching to the choir and you'd be saying hallelujah, pass the plate right about now. Or at least if you were a Southern CEO, <laughs> we do a lot of that in the South. Amen. Uh, pass the plate, and it doesn't matter if it's the collection plate 
or the the, the meat and meal plate either. Uh, some fried chicken works just as well. But all that aside, it's it's far from an outrage. The dynamic at Walmart in particular is in a lot of ways mirrored by the economy as a whole. Generally speaking, if you're competent, reliable, and ambitious, you got a shot to work your way up the economic ladder. You do. It's not to say you won't face obstacles. It's not to say there won't be roadblocks, but that is to say that if you've got the drive, the skills, and the intelligence to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that are thrown in front of you, then you're going to have a real opportunity, period. But you still have to make those right choices and make the right moves. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to end up being a millionaire. It doesn't mean that every hard worker will necessarily be fairly rewarded for their efforts, and it doesn't mean that poor people lack competence or ambition. What it does mean is that our free market system is the best possible system for giving people a shot to move from one position to a better It's not no human run can ever be perfect because humans are running it. Humans are flawed. We've all had bad managers. We've all had a bad boss who does just want to take advantage of your hard work. But at the end of the day, this open market, free market system that we've tried to institute, that we're trying to get the government out of our way so we can actually have a true version of it, it is the best way to raise people up out of poverty. It's far from perfect, but it is certainly a hell of a lot better than the alternative that Omar and her little socialist friends want to put in place. It's a hell of a lot better than a system that would take full control of the economy and destroy it. It's a heck of a lot better that you let the CEO of Walmart make a lot more money than somebody who just walked in off the street three days ago when you put at a cash register because they haven't been trained enough to be able to handle doing an inventory in the stocking area yet. That's the realm. Walmart, McDonald's, another a good example – Companies that want to promote from within, and I have told you before, the, the company that I worked before in that other life when I was a quick service manager, we wanted people to step up. We wanted people to force us to pay them more in order to keep them because it meant every time they did, they made the company more money. Every time they did, they raised the profitability either by – uh, providing value on the side of what we were making or on the side of improving that customer experience, which, again, I, I'm reluctant to even say customer uh, customer service these days because so few companies seem to even remember what it even means. <laughs> Mary uh, in the chat room uh, does bring up that attitude is a big part of what drives you. And it's a good point. 
at the end of the day, when it comes to income inequality, attitude is a major driving factor. She's absolutely right because here's the thing. When you look at the people who are more successful, they almost all have one thing in common. And that one thing in common is rather than set back and whine and cry about the fact that somebody else has been successful, they simply work on becoming successful themselves. They might see something somebody has. They say, hey, I'd like to go get me something like that. What do I learn it? That attitude ahead. The people that tend not to be particularly successful are the people that set back, see somebody else in full Bernie Sanders mode, says, you know what? You've been successful. Uh, you must be punished. We're going to take what you have away from you because you should share. You're wealthy. We're going to put in a wealth tax. We're going to make people happy by taking stuff away from you. Instead of being one of those people, be an earner. Be a contributor. Have the attitude of I would like that. I'm going to go do what it takes to legally earn that. And you notice I am very importantly added the phrase legally. <laughs> it's an important part of the equation. All right, ladies and gentlemen, since this, in fact, is one of the broadcasts of the week that gets cut in half for the purposes of being played in a one-hour time block for both KYAH, Utah's Talk Authority, that's 540 a.m., out in beautiful Delta, Utah, and also over at WCET 101.7 FM Columbia Talk in the completely awesome city of Columbia, South Carolina. For you folks, this show gets cut in half. So we're going to uh, wind this one down, then we're going to just pick right back up. So the second hour of the live broadcast will start here in a few minutes, but we're going to reset at the uh, – Top of the second hour. In the meanwhile, you guys stay. I'm going to play a little given. So, for those of you who like some of these tunes that you hear uh, during the bumper music, during the sign in and sign off, uh, by all means, please go check out patriotmusic.com. Let Matt know that I sent you. It won't get you a discount. This isn't a commercial or an ad. Just Matt's been really gracious and kind to let me use his music, and I'd love for him to know that I'm still sending folks his way. In the meanwhile, since it is a soggy, soggy night and only supposed to get rainier here in East Tennessee uh, for a very, very stormy Halloween, uh, about a little rain is coming. Uh, stay with me for those of you who are here live. We'll be cranking it right back up here in about two minutes. like a thousand years since we had real fears but the old ones won't forget these broken levee walls had a few close calls but they haven't fallen yet and you know the rain A vicious drought, even hopes in doubt. But there are no clouds in the sky. 
What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
And welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. Whatever you got, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever so humble host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. Uh, it's a soggy night. It is, in fact, at the time of the live broadcast, October 30th, 2019, and it is just a few brief moments after 8 p.m. Eastern. That is the second hour of a two-hour live broadcast. But for those of you who may be listening at KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, or WCET 101.7 FM, Columbia Talk in Columbia, South Carolina, this is a whole new day. I'm about to reference something that you had the opportunity to hear yesterday, and by the way, I hope you did. Now, we were talking about Ilhan Omar, (laughs) big surprise, and uh, her rather ridiculous assertions towards income inequality, and she tried uh, tried using Walmart as her example and so upset that the Walmart CEO is making so much more money than, say, the average cashier working at the Walmart. Now, What this has led to in the chat room has been a discussion about how attitudes have changed time constitute successful employment. Uh, Back to me, the fact that a while back we actually did a show uh, ready for the real world. Uh, It was the title if you want to go back into the archives and take a peek at it. Uh, And that's still one of my most downloaded shows and actually – was picked up by a work advocacy group uh, and uh, was put up on their website. One of the first times uh, for me that a completely neutral outward party that was ethical, one of my shows utilized the broadcast part of uh, helpful suggestions for what they did. So I naturally was very, very uh, honored that they felt like I did a good enough job presenting it. Uh, and uh, found it to be useful. Uh, as that played out, you know, it, it really does come back to the fact that uh, uh, <laughs> read a voice that says I still haven't gotten over that show. <laughs> well, yeah, it was definitely a hard hitting broadcast. There's no question. <laughs> but uh, the point still stands that there is this need, and part of the reason. That it is. I had come across this article going down this big long list, and then I actually got involved here locally through the churches because the schools aren't doing a good enough job of this, of trying to give those helpful hints. And me having been one of the primary hiring managers back at that point in time, as well as the production manager, I had seen lots of things like Bringing It Boy was describing in the chat room when people would come in. They didn't know how to prepare for an interview. And we've got so many uh, kids that have the helicopter parents that I kid you not, I have seen multiple young people come in for an interview where literally their mother had come with them. Their mother tried to take the interview on their behalf. (laughs) And it was – I thought, honestly, we were going to need a crowbar to separate. I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am. You're going to have to wait outside. <laughs> but no, I just I, I'm I'm here to to support my child. Is like, okay, well, supporting's fine. Support from outside. You can't do this for them. You're making this worse. But not only that, but how they 
they dressed, how they presented themselves. Uh, you know, a, a lot of these things. Of course, you know, we live in this age today where everything's okay, everything's acceptable. I shouldn't be judging you by the fact that you have. Uh, 14 piercings on your face and a neck tattoo that says killer. All right. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't because obviously I don't think you're going to label yourself as actually being a killer. Uh, you just you want to look tough. You want to look cool, whatever. How about you be smart, though? Think about the job that you're actually applying for. If you're going to be out in front of the public, you should probably attempt to look more presentable. It's not my fault if I don't hire you to be a corporate sales rep and you want to go around dressed like you are the lead singer of a uh, 80s goth band. Now, if you're going to go be the lead singer of an 80s goth band, then that's how you should dress. You need to take these things into consideration. But there are so many other things for getting prepared and understanding that there are expectations. For some of these kids when they step in, for the younger folks, and when I say kids, I mean based on maturity, not age, because we've had some really young people walk in the door and bang, bang out of the park, did everything just right, and then walk in the door with the attitude that I'm going to be the best me that I can be, and I'm going to try to, to prove to you that uh, – as much as you're going to offer me now, you're going to need to pay me more. We've had some young folks come in and do that, and we've had some older folks come in with that blasé attitude of, well, you owe me, and if all you're going to pay me is 8 bucks an hour, then I'm only going to give you 8 bucks an hour worth of work. Only in their mind, what 8 bucks is worth is nowhere near what, in our mind, $8 an hour should be. But the, the point is still this. There's a lot of discussion to still be had by it, and the fact that some of these things in this uh, chat room that took place during that segment leads me to believe that maybe we should take another look at that. Uh, maybe we should have kind of a, a, a going back and doing exactly that, maybe a ready for the real world part two kind of thing because I, I think that would play. Uh, bringing it, boy made the point uh, saying that uh, they believe that uh, – Two key things to successful employment. Number one, positioning yourself that will present opportunity. And number two, make your own opportunity. And you make your own opportunities by coming in and performing above and beyond. Coming in and showing that you were – if you get hired to clean the toilets – that those toilets are going to be shiny every time somebody comes in to take a look at it, and that you are starting there, but that is not where you plan on staying. I mean I think one of the biggest issues that you have in most workplaces now is so few people actually take pride in their work. You have to take pride in what you do or you shouldn't bother to do it. The old adage of if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right, that should apply to everything you choose to do. And it doesn't matter if you have to take some job that you really don't want to do in order to make ends meet till you get to that job. Still take pride in what you're doing. Make those people at the very least who hired you to scrub toilets, make them have to give you a good recommendation when it comes time for you to move on to that next job if you can't move up there. But you still have to make good decisions 
to improve your situation, period. I think that we maybe maybe we should take a, a look at trying to help some folks out too. <laughs> trying to peek back in here. <sighs> Uh, daily news for that credit. All right, so uh, uh, Bring It Boy tells me that Daily News gets credit uh, for uh, what we said a little while ago. So lots of times they get in here and they'll be sharing the handle husband and wife team, uh, and we'll come in under one name and hang out and both of them comment. So that's fine. So Daily News gets the credit for that. But uh, there we have it. In the meanwhile, I guess that's enough of that. So we've uh, finished up business from the first hour. The key points, yes, I. The, the two key points that I mentioned about uh, positioning yourself and then to make your own opportunities is what we're referencing. All right, so that finishes up uh, business from the first hour, or for those of you listening to the rebroadcast over terrestrial radio, uh, finishes up the business from yesterday's show. Uh, thank you for listening, by the way. A uh, quick rundown of everybody hanging out in the chat room. We've got Bigfoot hanging out in there. we got Bringing It Boy along with Daily News uh, cohabitating under the same screen name, obviously. Uh, we've got Mary, who phenomenal. Thank you. Uh, the, the Zarina, the bouncer. She's earned a ton of nicknames around here, and I do mean earned. Much like raises, these titles have not been given. They have been earned. And we've got Chief, uh, host of Simple Facts of Life, hanging out with us as well. Uh did have uh, – oh, what was the, the full screen name now? We had uh, Crazy Cajun. Was that it? <laughs> Let me go back up here. Uh, I know we made some statements. Da, 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 da. Yeah, Crazy Cajun. Crazy Cajun. Let's see. I uh, had to jump out of here a little while ago. I'm pretty sure that was Michael Zare, uh, who is director over at WCET. Uh, pretty sure that was it. But at any rate, if it wasn't, then, then sorry. But I, I'm pretty sure it was. In the meanwhile, uh, he had to step out, had other things to do. In fact, I'm pretty sure he actually hosts his own show over there. So it's probably about time for him to go do that. And uh, their after-hours stuff over there tends to be a lot like the uh, trips into the supernatural, uh, kind of like a, the coast-to-coast -coast, uh, format for those of you that are familiar with that. So I would imagine he's like super busy with uh, Halloween coming up. Reminder for those of you listening, the time of the live broadcast was October 30th. Uh, so we've still got Halloween coming uh, right now at the time of the show, whereas by the time you hear this, it will probably be November, if I've got my schedule correct. Anyway, that done, let's move on uh, rather than me continuing to babble because I know you guys only tune in a little bit for the babble. Uh, <laughs> At least my babble. Maybe you like to hear some other people's babble. I've been reluctant to schedule guests here lately because of the technical issues I was having before my week absence. Uh, once I feel confident that I've gotten through a few of these episodes, I will start scheduling guests again. I will have Ron Edwards on as soon as he is back in the States and ready to come on, and we'll talk about his recent trip to England. Uh, in the meanwhile, I will continue to do what I typically do, which is bring you the – stuff <laughs> that's it i was going to say the most interesting and fascinating news on the planet but now nah, let's face facts that's not really what i do the stuff i think fits so in the twitter war 
you know, the battle for our soul, the the format, the, the platform of social media that has just taken free speech to whole new levels. Well, there is breaking news from the Twitter sphere. Big move for them, actually. Jack Dorsey has announced, as of the time of the live show, it was today. Those of you who still are under a rock, recognize the name Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter. Pretty sure he money than the other people who work for Twitter. Just throwing that out there, Elhan. <laughs> Jack Dorsey announced that the social media platform is, in fact, stopping all political advertising on the platform, saying, in fact, that the reach that politicians have on the platform should be earned and not bought. <gasps> wow, doesn't that kind of connect with our earlier conversation, that it should be earned and not paid for? Now, I think personally, if you're going to open yourself up to sell ads, that uh, – That's kind of the purpose of an ad. But if you want to stop political ads across the board, if you're cutting out political ads from both sides, then okay. I I don't have a problem with that. If you're going to say here is a source of potential income that we're going to say no to based on our principle, and then if a politician who still can speak freely and do whatever else, and if you're treating them fairly, because let's face facts, we all know that somebody over on Twitter who – has a bunch of bots following them and retreating. And then we also know those, <clears throat> usually conservative, folks over on Twitter who has earned uh, 3,000 followers and still maybe 20 of them will see their tweets that day. Uh, <laughs> we, we know these things happen. Between the shadow banning and the uh, throttling down of exposure, it happens on all the social media platforms. Whether we want to admit it or not, it happens on Facebook, it happens on Twitter, it happens on YouTube, uh, it happens on Snapchat, it happens on wherever. In fact, the only places that I have been across that I haven't seen it happen is TeaPartyCommunity.org, which I highly recommend if you're not a troll. Um, MeWe, I haven't seen a lot of that, but it's kind of different uh, to, to get stuff flowing and to get followers and that kind of thing. Um, haven't seen it at Gab, and of course Gab is like what Twitter should have been. Uh, it, it's still trying to be what Twitter I think wanted to be when it first started. And uh, then of course you also have places like Hub dot Life, which is like Facebook. Um, also, I'd highly recommend you check those out. Uh, you will find a presence for me on most of those, although uh, for the last month or so, I probably have spent less than a minute on all of them. Uh, in fact, I've barely even been on Facebook. So sorry about uh, that for you guys who usually interact with me on social media. Uh, it has a little to having to do with having been as sick as I was last week. It also has a lot to do with the fact that getting ready for the third-party audit that I mentioned earlier at uh, my day job uh, took a lot of extra hours away, so I wasn't uh, free to do the usual social media stuff. I don't have a problem with it. But anyway, back to this story. Once again, uh, this isn't about me. This is about Twitter. Uh, Dorothy said, quote, we've made the decision to stop all political advertising on Twitter globally. 
We believe political message reach should be earned, not bought. Why? A few reasons the message earns reach when people decide to follow an account or retweet. Paying for reach removes that decision, forcing highly optimized and targeted political messages on people. We believe this decision should not be compromised by money. While internet advertising is increase, I'm sorry, not increase. While it is incredibly powerful and very effective for commercial advertisers, that power brings significant risk to politics, where it can be used to influence votes and affect the lives of millions. Dorsey continued by saying, "Quote: Internet political ads presents entirely new challenges to civic discourse." Machine learning-based optimization of messaging and micro-targeting, unchecked misleading information, and deep fakes, all at increasing uh, velocity, sophistication, and overwhelming scale. The Associated Press reported, quote, uh, Facebook has taken fire since it disclosed earlier in October that it will not fact-check ads by politicians or their campaigns, which would allow them to lie freely. CEO Mark Zuckerberg told Congress, Zuckerberg, I think I mispronounced that tonight, Zuckerberg. The Zuckerberg gulag. Anyway, Zuckerberg told Congress last week that politicians have the right to free speech on Facebook. These challenges are back to uh, back to quoting Dorsey at this point. These challenges will affect all internet communications, not just political ads. Best to focus our efforts on the root problems without the additional burden and complexity taking money brings. Trying to fix both means fixing neither well and harms our credibility. Dorsey also continued by saying, for instance, it's not credible for us to say we're working hard to stop people from gaming our system to spread misleading information. But if someone pays us to target and force people to see their political ad, well, they can say whatever they want. (laughs) We consider stopping only candidate ads, but issue ads presents a way to circumvent. Additionally, it isn't fair for everyone but candidates to buy ads for issues they want to push. So we're stopping these two. We're well aware we're a small part of a much larger political advertising ecosystem. Some might argue our actions today could favor incumbents, but we have witnessed many social movements reach massive scale without any political advertising. I trust this will only grow. In addition, we need more forward-looking political ad regulation. Very difficult to do. Ad transparency. Requirements are progress. But not enough. The Internet provides entirely new capabilities, and regulators need to think past the present day to ensure a level playing field. We'll share 
the final policy by 11.50, including a few exceptions. Ads in support of voter registration will still be allowed, for example. We'll start enforcing our new policy on 11.22 to provide current advertisers a notice period before this change goes into effect. Final note, this isn't about free expression. This is about paying for reach. Dorsey then concluded by saying, and paying to increase the reach of political speech has significant ramifications that today's democratic infrastructure may not be able to handle. It's worth back in order to so there you have it. That's the announcement from Jack Dorsey. He says no political ads on Twitter. However, it's still going to be okay to push something like voter registration. I wonder how these voter registration movements will play out. Hey, Joseph Gibson's joined the uh, chat room. Hey, Joe, how's it going? I know he's busy trying to inform you folks on how to understand these times in which we live in today. That's the name of his show. Uh, by all means, check it out. It's a great show. But uh, as as we look at this, though, is again, I, I kind of applaud the idea that, okay, it's Twitter, and we're going to say no buying political ads. But then I take a look back at this, and when you look at the ecosystem that exists on Twitter right now, it is heavily, heavily leaning towards leftists. So if it's going to go strictly on the you earn your reach, the followers tend to be migrating towards the people with the most leftist ideologies, the, the, the folks like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the folks like Ilhan Omar, the folks like Rashida Tlaib, even the folks like Nancy Pelosi tend to garner a larger following than most conservatives. One notable exception probably falls under the uh, heading of the current uh, president of the United States, that being Donald J. Trump. But a lot of the people that follow Donald J. Trump is simply there to try to give Trump a hard time. So they're not really there to follow the message. So again, it's kind of like, okay, you're going you're gonna to do some grandstanding. You're going to do a little more virtue signaling. You're going to give up some cash. You're going to get lauded by those on the left who are going to say, what a great move. And you're so much smarter than uh, Zuckerberg over at Facebook who's suddenly saying, you know what, free speech should exist here. And again, uh, we talked about it when Zuckerberg made that uh, speech of his, and he said all the right things. I'm still seeing a throttling back of my post on Facebook, so we'll see if he follows through beyond his words. So far, I haven't seen a lot of great changes. Sounds to me like Zuckerberg setting himself up just to be able to take in more ad revenue, and maybe he'll get all the extra ad revenue that Twitter just gave up. This might end up being, financially speaking, a great move for Facebook, not so great for Dorsey. But when it comes down to it, he knows what he's doing, and he knows that he is still not providing a level playing field, but in fact is putting his little kingdom 
the Twitter spear firmly in the grasp of the leftist. Not that that's not already the case anyway. You're going to continue to see Acosta-Cortez with her messages up everywhere. You're not going to see a conservative that's running against AOC unless you happen to find one and follow them and then on a daily basis. They're just not likely to fill the So I guess ultimately the question is, what do you guys think? Maybe. Uh, again, it's just a different form of ship. Uh, that's bringing it boy asking the question. It, it absolutely is a form of censorship. There's no question. And I, I don't think there's anybody currently hanging out in the chat room that spends any time on any of these social media platforms that hasn't experienced some form of it. I've told you guys several times about how Facebook has throttled back uh, my posts. Uh, I've told you several times you know, I, I, I spend almost no time on Twitter. I really should. I should work harder to make Twitter a more viable option uh, just to promote the show. But the problem there is I think I'm already in the circle of at least half of the actual conservatives who are active on Twitter. It's, there's not that many. <laughs> and the ones that are there that I don't know about, I don't know about them because Twitter is actively working to keep those voices silenced. You know, they, they, they go out and they completely ban uh, people like Laura Loomer, who, you know, I know a lot of people don't necessarily have the highest respect for Laura. Uh, I, I'm not going to comment one way or the other. I'm not a big fan of all of her tactics, but as far as being an investigative reporter, uh, to me, she kind of seems more like a provocateur. Some people love her. Some people don't. Wherever you fall on it. I haven't seen anything that Laura Loomer did that deserves she be banned. Same thing uh, with Milo Yiannopoulos. Again, I, I'm not a huge Milo fan. Uh, Milo, the one time I had him here on the show, though, great interview, and I actually one of my favorite interviews. Uh, Milo Yiannopoulos is one of the one of my favorite uh, interviews here, uh, right up there. Uh, with uh, just a couple of others, other than the folks that are regulars. Uh, Bringing It Boy uh, puts in uh, saying that uh, BTR has been practicing some. Yeah, and BTR is a uh, is a social media platform. You know, it, it's a chance for me to be vocal and to get it out more. But you guys in the chat room, you get to experience. A social media vibe as well, and we get to have these interactions in a fashion that uh, now. And we have seen, uh, as particularly conservative talk show hosts, be on the uh, the losing end of the equation. We've seen certain technical glitches pop up for conservative hosts that don't seem to happen to hosts of different kinds of shows. Mary says Milo is okay. Yeah, I mean Milo. I, I don't have a particularly high opinion of a lot of the things I've seen Milo do. Milo is, in the truest sense of the word, a provocateur. I mean, sometimes he says and does stuff just to see if he can get under your skin. 
but uh, I, it was a great interview. I I just I loved the vibe. He the the whole time he wasn't the I'm trying to start a fire vibe. It was the uh, let's have a let's have an honest conversation about uh, my latest book and uh, the subject matter therein. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. Uh, Pamela Geller was another one of my uh, all-time favorite interviews. Folks, sadly enough, folks, I've only been able to get on once so far. Uh, are some of the some of the best interviews that I've had. Um, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe maybe you guys don't feel the same way, but some of the better interviews that I've enjoyed doing. How about I put it like that? Uh, just a different level. But anyway, the point still circles back around. For whatever reason, lots of these companies that provide social media platforms are still typically run by people that at the very least lean a little to the left, most of them pretty far to the left, and they have a vested interest in sharing their worldview. Places like Facebook were never really actually intended to be a political place to begin with, not when you look at the original uh, vision of Facebook, but then you turn around and you look at what it's become, and it's a great place to have political conversations, or at least it used to be before those of us who disagreed with leftists had ourselves squashed. You know that that's the difference. Anyway, I'm looking up at the clock and I'm running a little bit long in this segment. So for those of you who will indulge me, and I hope that will be all of you, Edwards' book and the and stories for soldiers. Tip of the day, and then we will right up and we'll move into that next topic. But uh, anyway, Twitter says no political ads, so we'll see what happens. Stay with me, guys. I'll be right back and we'll go into the last segment of the show. Recently in Dayton, Ohio, a young stuck-on-stupid thug broke into a Dollar General store wielding a handgun, threatening to shoot a clerk. Unfortunately for the threatening thug, the clerk had a permanent legal answer. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. When the invading thug threatened the general store clerk with a gun, the clerk quickly responded in kind with a gun blast that leveled the dangerous intruder. But rather than being thankful, a would-be criminal was stopped in its tracks. Urban activist types, including the criminal sister, stated that, that the store clerk should not have been allowed to have a gun. This is a dangerous manner of thinking that opens the door to not only street thug criminal activity, but in the long run, government tyranny as well. I do not celebrate that a person who chose to threaten the life of someone else lost his life, but I do celebrate and recognize the unalienable right to protect oneself from thugs, whether they're in the streets or in government. For those who don't want law-abiding citizens to protect themselves, beware, you could be on the receiving end of that stupid, deadly wish. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.talkspot.com for news updates and other great stuff. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Dan Perkins here with your songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day. Did you get a flu shot last year? If you answered no, you don't have an excuse this year. You can get a shot at your closest VA center on your next visit for free. But what if you don't have a visit planned in the near future? Don't have a visit planned? Here's an alternative. Here's your veterans tip of the day. The Veterans Administrations and Walgreens have teamed up to make flu shots more accessible and free to veterans. 
They have made it very easy for you to get this protection. Protecting yourself is a good idea. Getting a flu shot at the VA or consider going to a local Walgreens, both are free. Just go to your local Walgreens, no appointment necessary, show your ID card, and get your flu shot for free. Protecting yourself, get a flu shot. Last year, over 80,000 people in America died from the flu. The life you save just might be your own. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. I'm Dan Perkins. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. Uh, got a lively conversation going on in the chat room, and always love it when we've got more than a couple of folks in here and when it really gets going and they get to have a discussion because that's when it's fun. So this is my opportunity, without going into too much detail, to remind you that wherever you hear the show, However you choose to listen, I know the overwhelming majority of people who hear the show is after the fact. Either you're listening to the archives, to the podcast somewhere at uh, iTunes or iHeartRadio or Spotify or Apple Podcast or uh, now uh, Podcast Addict. We're officially up on there, just added this week, uh, and several other places where I'm not officially at, but they just kind of randomly pick podcasts to populate their platforms with you can find me just about everywhere and then of course not to uh not to belittle any of the folks that listen to the rebroadcast on terrestrial radio such great stations as kyah 540 am utah's talk authority or wcet 101.7 fm columbia talk or even kdil 105.7 fm in kennewick washington i want to thank each and every one of you for listening but you guys, if you're not here live, you're missing out on the chat room, and here's the thing. You can come in here. You can interact. You can be one of these people that I interact with live without having to call in. You don't have to call in. You can tune in. You can come over to blogtalkradio.com. You can search for Tap Into The Truth. That's T-A-P-P, Into The Truth. You will find this show, but you can come here when it is live that is on Wednesdays and Fridays from 7 until 9 p.m. Eastern. You, of course, can accommodate that to your time zone, you know, whatever's accordingly, whatever's appropriate. On Sunday afternoons from 3 until 5 p.m., again, Eastern. And then on Thursday nights, uh, it used to be 8 till 9. It's just on Tuesday night. I was always waiting till after Kel was done to start. And then she got where she was usually ending uh, around 7.30, so I kind of started playing with the idea of just starting at 7.30 all the time then because she was never running past that. And now you know, we, we no longer have Kel with us, and that's a big hole in my heart that I still miss, and I know a lot of you guys feel the same way, but I, I don't have the same loyalty – and don't get me wrong, I don't have any issues with uh, Eric the Kafar. Uh, but they moved Radio Free Kafir stand to, to Tuesday night block over on uh, Global Patriot Radio. And I'm toying with this idea. I've been running the show on Tuesdays uh, starting at 7.30 here the last couple of times I've broadcast. I've been toying with the idea of maybe moving it to 7 full time because quite honestly, it being the one-hour block, I kind of like having that extra hour in the evenings to do other stuff. So once I make a final determination, we'll we'll get that back on a regular schedule. So far, 
Uh, only Chief from Simple Facts of Life has been able to keep up with me for all these changes, and Chief hasn't missed a show, so Chief gets a gold star. Thank you, Chief. But uh, now come over on the, one of these nights, and you don't have to sign up for anything, but you can still listen, and you can still see what's going on in the chat room. Now, you'll sign up for then you won't participate in the chat room. But you can still see everything. You get to see what Bringing It Boy is saying, what uh, Joe Gibson is saying, what Mary, what Bigfoot, what Chief, what Vorpalbite when Vorp's here. And Vorp's already bounced back out of here. I hope it wasn't something I said. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. But you can see what these folks are saying. But then you can sign up for free. You don't ever have to do anything else, but you can pop in, and then you can participate. You can comment along with. You can say something that catches my eye with, uh, in the middle of it, and I might interact with you directly. You can at the show that way. So there's a lot of awesome advantages to signing up for free over here. So this is something to throw out there, something for you to think about. Now, granted, if you're still much more comfortable or if you're busy during those times of day, then I'm still thanking you very much for listening to the show when you can. It's a good thing. And I love it. Thank you so much. All right. Anyway, what do you say we get into the last segment and uh, get done with all this? Uh, evidently, the audio is breaking up again. I think that's probably has to do with the weather. Uh, really, really crazy weather right now. And of course, broadcasting out of Tennessee, but still trying to connect to a switchboard that is in New York. Uh, it's not, of course, Mary tells me it has been up on and off. I saw her where she said it was getting worse. Hopefully hopefully the audio is being captured better. <laughs> Still taking coupons. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anyway, I guess it's only appropriate to talk a little bit about the road to impeachment 2019. Because, of course, the Dems made big news earlier in the week when they announced that they would be bringing forth a formal <laughs> impeachment plan. Things don't seem to be quite as clear-cut today as they seemed when Nancy Pelosi made it clear that the impeachment proceedings are going to be made official, and they're moving these proceedings out into the public. They're they're not going to be doing these secret squirrel meetings anymore. They're doing this, you know, in the interest of clarity, interest, transparency, interest, preserving the American way of life, of preserving our democratic values. Which again I'll remind you we are a republic, not a democracy. Anyway, House Democrats second in command Certain Denny Hoyer, he refused to commit to putting the Democrats' impeachment plan to the floor vote and told reporters that he has not even as of that moment read the piece of draft legislation that Democrats released Tuesday night. Uh, much like Denny Hoyer, I have to admit I haven't read it yet either. I simply haven't had the opportunity yet. But uh, – it just seems interesting that the second-in-command hasn't even had a chance to take a look at it yet. Meanwhile, 
back at the Democrats to give a timeline to any vote on impeachment either, preferring instead to direct attention towards the impeachment resolution uh, than commit to any concrete timetable for impeachment proceeding. So the resolution is there. But as far as what we're going to do with this resolution, well, that's none of your business, American people. Hoyer seemed to kind of indicate uh, when he was giving an interview to Vice News that he had been kind of just left out in the dark as far as the draft impeachment resolution. He was telling the reporters there that he was unable to give any further details on what was involved in the resolution or when the House might take a formal vote on it. He had no idea, saying, quote, we're going to have to consider – whether or not it's ready to go on Thursday. I hope that's the case. Now, now this is Hoyer talking about the impeachment resolution that Nancy Pelosi earlier this week promised there'd be a vote on the floor about by Halloween. (sighs) However, Hoyer wasn't exactly clear on what it was specifically when he said, I hope it's ready to go. This is not an impeachment resolution, Hoyer continued, saying, I don't know what an impeachment resolution is. Now I'm scratching my head. What do you mean you don't know what an impeachment resolution is? Obviously, that's the resolution that says we, uh, the House of the United States of America, the House of Representatives of the United States of America, we are formally moving forward with an impeachment process against the current president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. That's what an impeachment resolution is, Steady. That's what it is. It's not some big secret. It's where you actually formally push forth a resolution, and most of these resolutions do, in fact, if not on the immediate, will have addendums added to it that include things like Schedules for hearings, witness lists, and an opportunity for members of the other side who may want to try and stop the impeachment vote from taking place, to have them an opportunity to ask rebuttal questions that are appropriate. That, Stenny Hoyer, is what a impeachment resolution is. How sad is it that I know more uh, <laughs> sitting here behind a microphone in East Tennessee worried about the FDA uh, than this guy whose job is to be second in command of the Democratic Party in the House? Pelosi, however, also told reporters earlier this week that the draft legislation wasn't an impeachment resolution, but House Democrats titled their Wednesday release as an impeachment resolution which, as you would imagine, just added to the confusion. Uh, Not more confusion than usual that we see from Democrats, particularly Nancy Pelosi, and the multiple cats that she tries to herd every day as part of her job as Speaker. But also the confusion to, you know, reporters and uh, America in general, 
you know, for the ones that are paying attention or thinking this is some kind of big deal, uh, we would like to – is it or is it not an impeachment resolution? You said it was. Now you said it isn't, but you gave it the title that it was. Now, to be fair, though, we do all kind of know instinctively at this point that whatever they title a resolution or a draft bill hoping to make it a law, that it's pretty much the opposite of whatever they say it is in the title, right? So I guess if it does in the title say it's an impeachment resolution, we're pretty confident that it isn't. In fact, I would be concerned at this point, and I'm far more concerned that they were finally serious about it, these impeachment proceedings, they actually titled the resolution not impeachment resolution. At that point, I'm saying, oh, crap, they're serious now. It's a done deal. Look out. Nancy's calling in the big dogs. <laughs> So, at any rate, speaking to reporters this past Monday, Pelosi claimed that the House would vote on a resolution that, quote, affirms the ongoing existing investigation and and establishes the procedures for hearings that are open to the American people, authorizes the disclosure of deposition transcripts, outlines procedures to transfer evidence to the Judiciary Committee as it considers potential articles of impeachment and sets forth due process rights for the president and his counsel. That according to a report at the Washington Examiner. Now, to me, that does sound an awful lot like an impeachment solution. So, again, is it... Isn't it? I, I think it is. <sighs> anyway, she added after that, quote, We're taking this step to eliminate any doubt as to whether the Trump administration may withhold documents, prevent witness testimony, disregard duly authorized subpoenas, or continue obstructing the House of Representatives. Translation, Nancy Pelosi finally got tired of rightly being told that a firmly worded letter asking someone to come testify is not the same thing as a subpoena. Nancy Pelosi got tired of being told, rightfully so, that Donald J. Trump doesn't have to play tiddlywinks with her if he doesn't want to unless it's actually a legal process. Basically, the fact that she acknowledged that she has to do this now kind of says, dang it, Trump won again. That's kind of – I mean they're never going to put it like that, but that's what you should be hearing. That should be the dog whistle, if you will. <laughs> if you if you speak Democrat, that's what you are here. You say, ah, Trump won again, but we're going to get him. Orange man bad. No more kicking puppies or eating babies on our watch. We're going to take him out. We're going to get him. <laughs> we're taking this step to eliminate any doubt. There wasn't doubt. There was quite certainty that you were flying off of the handle uh, half-cocked, and you're still just playing a political stunt, Nancy. We know what you're up to. 
Now, if if that seems like a rather non-committal piece of legislation, then that's because it pretty much is actually. No House resolution to compel uh, a <laughs> the White House to provide documents or witnesses if it has no intention of doing so or, as in this case, does not see the impeachment inquiry as legitimate, and the resolution likely would not be binding enough on House Democrats to resolve the White House concerns about due process. So translation here is uh, they still need to make certain their intention. Indeed, when the draft legislation dropped Wednesday night, it included some basic boilerplate language about due process, but mostly kind of signaled Democrats' intentions to, to change the process of their inquiry, basically from being a closed-door hearing to an open testimony on the floor of Congress. It also contained a provision that gives the House Intelligence Panel sole authority to conduct the public hearings, uh, meaning that uh, the other the other panels will probably still conduct interviews, but they're still going to remain closed door behind the scenes, you know, so they can selectively leak what they want leaked. Because, you know, not saying that that's what would ever happen, but that's pretty much what's been happening. Now, that, of course, leaves Representative Adam Schiff in charge, a place he so desperately wants to remain. Adam Schiff in charge of approving all witnesses, much to the chagrin of Republican legislators, and rightfully so, because Adam Schiff is legitimately still going around telling people that he has irrefutable proof of Donald J. Trump's collusion with Russia. He's still trying to push that. I haven't heard anybody else talk about Russian collusion since uh, – well, not seriously collusion. Uh, Hillary Clinton, of course, but it's no longer about Donald Trump. Uh, they pretty much since the Mueller report has been officially released, they kind of said that's it. Okay, We're, the, the collusion delusion died a horrible death, but it hasn't really because it's still in the hearts and minds of these folks. Adam Schiff is still telling people he has irrefutable proof of it. So my question is, uh, Bill Barr, why have you not sent a subpoena to Adam Schiff, giving him a reasonable deadline, I'm thinking 24 hours, to turn over this irrefutable, irrefutable, Refutable, um, irredeniable, undeniable. I'm repeating myself a lot, aren't I? Show us the proof. You got 24 hours to show us this proof, or you'll be charged with obstruction of justice. Because let's face facts if Donald J. Trump has actually committed an impeachable act, and Adam Schiff has proof of this and has refused to share it with the public, then Adam Schiff is obstructing justice. So why doesn't the Justice Department step up and say, turn this over so we can make the investigation? If you really have this proof, why have you not already released it? Here's your deal. Shut up about it and put your money where your mouth is. Either turn it over, tell the American people you've been lying about it the whole freaking time, 
or go to jail for obstruction of justice. I think that's the only way to finally shut Adam Shift up. I, I, I think that's probably the best way. I want to know why why Bill Barr hasn't done that yet. Seems like it should have already happened. At any rate, uh, the point being is that Nancy's little provision that would put Shift in charge, it's not something that the Republicans necessarily have to worry about that just yet. As I said earlier, when Pelosi made her statement, Democrats were on a Thursday vote and were proceeding as if was clad. Now, like I mentioned, when it became clear that Democrats be bringing the <clears throat> impeachment resolution up for a vote come Thursday. Or perhaps, given that most legislators leave town, you know, to return to home districts starting Thursday night, it probably won't happen anytime this week. Steady Hoyer, who controls the floor schedule, would not fully commit to holding the vote on Thursday, according to the Washington Examiner. And we're going to have to consider whether or not it's ready to go on Thursday. So there's no commitment to bringing the resolution to the floor. There is no commitment to having this vote yet. Ultimately, there's no commitment from the leftist in charge of this little, um, well, let's call it a witch hunt in honor of the holiday. It's a witch hunt. end of all of this, they're trying to play this up for one very one very good reason. The Democrats do understand they want the White House back. The Democrats understand that right now when you look at the polls, the more they talk about impeachment, the harder it is on Donald Trump's poll numbers. They understand that the more that they talk about impeachment, the less they have to talk about how crazy every single person who's currently actively campaigning for the job happens to be. There is not a single policy that is being put forth by any of these presidential wannabes that the American people in general, including an overwhelming majority of typical Democratic voters, want to see in place. They know that Elizabeth Warren is not only a hypocrite and a liar, but she also seems to have a, a great deal of issues with even being consistent on how far to the left she is compared to where she wants to be. She's taken a ton of money from uh, Wall Street America. She's taken a ton of money from the people she claims to be trying to take money away from because why? It made her rich. She wanted the jobs, but she's not who she's ever said she is. The people are catching up with that. The people who've been supporting her are starting to catch up with that. Bernie Sanders is just a crazy old guy who talks a lot about pudding and communism. And the bottom line is, is other than the Bernie bros, other than these young millennials who've never seen real hardship, who don't understand that Maduro is the face of socialism, that Venezuela is what happens with uh, socialism, those people, other than them, the average American doesn't want Bernie Sanders to be president. Joe Biden's all over the place, and he's proven time and time again he's not ready for the job, never was, wasn't ready to be a senator, quite honestly. Certainly wasn't ready to be vice president. But they know this one thing is true. The longer they can drag this out, 
the longer they can keep everybody talking about impeachment, then nobody is talking about how do you pay for welfare for all? How do you pay for Medicare for all? How do you pay for happiness dividends? How do you pay for freedom french fries on Thursdays? How do you pay for Taco Tuesdays for all Americans? All these crazy promises. Nobody has to explain why Robert Francis O'Rourke is going around talking about taking away uh, freaking tax exemptions from every religious-based charity out there. They don't have to explain anything that the American people wholesale will reject. That's why the Republicans, Donald Trump included, needs to stop worrying so much about defending themselves from the impeachment process. Spend about half your time there. Spend the other half of the time putting the spotlight right back where it belongs, and that's on these crazy Democrats with these crazy schemes that have no business being anywhere near the levers of power in this nation, let alone being in the top slot. That's going to have to be it for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks to Bigfoot, Chief, Brianna Boy, uh, Daily News. Uh, thanks to uh, Joseph Gibson. Thanks to Mary, who was here earlier. Uh, thanks to the crazy Cajun. Thanks to everybody who stopped in Vorpal Bite, too. Appreciate it. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and more importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Good night, everybody. See ya. Stay safe. Don't eat too much candy. Using both hands Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep Stalin, Hitler, Malamine, and Pol Pot They told the things that you never forgot Is using both hands Well I prefer the three oh wings to the tiny two to three Give me more than a thousand yards to protect my family Everybody 
It's using both hands. 